Hello, good people, and welcome to season 15 of the Brunswick Beer Collective. Uh, I'm Chris Shorten, with me is Jeffrey Chi. Afternoon. And with me is Paul Christoph. Howdy. And so, after the chaos of the number 86 of season 14, we decided to do some even, well, it's a little bit different this season. This time, we're going to go, we're calling this the style season. Not because we have style, because, well... We definitely don't. No, no style. None whatsoever. But because we want to go through beer styles. And we want to go through everything from, uh, you know, Nipahs to Stouts to uh, IPAs. And for today, we're going to go through Lagers. Which I feel like, as, as craft, craft beer drinkers, Lagers are the least favoured um, style, it seems. Yeah, they're probably the most maligned style. I mm. mean, it's interesting mm. that, that, you know, it is... 90 plus percent of beer production across the world is lager uh but yeah within the craft beer segment it's definitely least i think you've got that like the journey that you know, people talk about about the craft beer drinker yep you know, they start drinking lager then they're all about ipas mm. and then they move on to stouts and then they move on to sours and once you're really involved in your craft beer journey you really appreciate a well-brewed refreshing pilsner mm. Mm. or lager so but I think it's, yeah, you think it, we're trained to believe lagers are crap. The more you learn about beer, you actually, even if you don't like the taste of lager, you certainly start to appreciate that they're not as um, basic as they might seem. Well, and I think that's the point. I mean, your first problem is that it's, it's, really, it's really easy to make a crap lager. Yeah. Because mm. once you fuck it up, there's, no, there's really no way to um, get yourself back on track, right? Like you can't, like an IPA, you can't put more hops into mm. it. You can't like stout, put more chocolate or chili or whatever, whatever the fuck it is you want to put yeah. into it. You can't really make it more boozy, you know? So you either, yeah, it's, it's this sort of, you know, we talked about it when we, was it when we talked to the Hawkers? Talked to Hawkers, yes. we were talking about, yeah, you know, to Marzen mm, about mm. how, um, you know, Pilsner is, is one of, you know, the, the sort of the tests of a good brewer because if you can make a good Pilsner, that means you can brew to style, to recipe, you know. You can't hide from process. it. Yeah. But, which is, uh, and, and it's, it's true, the more we talk about, um, like, the sheer, um, like, uh, the sheer uh, precision required to make a lager, the more you respect it. But in saying that, um, I... I've definitely been burnt one too many times on bad lagers, and it's it's probably not a good thing. I think it's also bad lagers. It's that probably the best the best produced and most consistent lagers in the world are the ones that most of us don't like, but they're still mm. commercially. Here's I mean Budweiser. Mm, mm. It's probably one of the most consistent produced to recipe beers in the world. But do I like it? Yeah. What's that? I'd say something like Budweiser is that not actually a bad beer, it just it t- t- tastes like nothing. Yeah, I mean, it's I would happily drink a six pack of them. It's not mm. disgusting, it's just, yeah, when you when you like those complexities and flavours and funky yeast, tra- yeast strains, a crisp, relatively flavourless lager is, is, is um, just yeah, water. Just different, very different. Yeah, but I think, you know, if you're sitting outside and it's 33 degrees and the beer is ice cold, it goes down mm. perfectly well. And in fact, it possibly goes down better than some more complex beers in that situation yeah. because, you so, know, you because you kind of don't want that explosion of flavour that occurs as the beer sort of warms up and stuff like that. Yeah, well, it's like when you get a, um, you know, have, have, a, have a tiger beer in mm. Melbourne and it's just pretty awful. And then you go to Singapore and you have a tiger and it's amazing. 
Yeah. It's the exact but, same beer, but just, yeah, the temperature, the context. But, which is, you know, it's, it's the same as like, you know, whenever, um, like my work drinks and they get at the Coronas. Coronas are terrible. But if it's a warm day, it's like, right, I will just stand this Corona right now. It's not any good, no. but it's, it's, it, it's the closest you, you get to water without actually having water. Yeah, I kind of think any beer that you have to put citrus into in order mm. to make it drinkable, there's just something wrong there. Um, I reckon the closest beer I've ever had to water is like, it's like Michelob Ultra. It's like one of those. Michelob like, Ultra. Yeah, it was just absurd. Like I had it and I just went, why, why, does, why does this even exist? This is just stupid. I've not had it. I don't even know what the worst. Um, Lone Star in Texas. Okay. That's, that's going to be up there. The, one, the, one, the worst one that I remember actually. Now I come think of it. I've mentioned on this podcast before. It's Zipfer. Zipfer. Uh, yes. Yeah, had yeah. it in Innsbruck that, from a vending machine in a train station. How, how do you spell Zipfer? Z I P F E R. Okay. I hear. I was hoping it was some sort of um, like crazy, um, you know, a, a triple Z or something. Nah, just quite quite phonetical. Phonetic. Yeah. So, so Michel Ultra gets number six in the worst beers in the world on um, on rate beer. Just uh, just for reference. Oh so, wow. Yeah. Although is because Rate Beer is owned by um, like IB and Dev, right? Is uh, Michelob? It is now, yes. Is Michelob Ultra also, is the number one? Is the worst rated beer on Rate Beer the, uh, owned by the same company? Let's see. The worst rated beer is Natural Light, Natural Light, which is brewed by AB InBev, as it happens. It averages a 1.08 out of 5. <laughs> Overall, 0 out of 100 and 0 out of 100 in the style. Out yep. of curiosity, is it a lager? It is. It is a pale lager. So. Well, makes, makes some disturbing sense, really. But, so, alright, I think, I, I, I think to, like, to go back to basics, we need to, we need to actually work or say what a lager is meant to be like yep. what its base description is well i think that's the interesting thing is that what we're talking about pretty much all the beers we've spoken about are pilsners mm. actually because lager so to your point um i never knew this either so i knew you've got two types of beer broadly ales and lagers the difference is ales use top ferments for top fermenting yeast strains which ferment at the top of the fermentation container and lagers use bottom fermenting yeast, which ferment at the bottom of the fermentation container. And the bottom fermenting yeast tend to be brewed at cooler temperatures than ales. Okay. That's why you don't have a lot of the, uh, and those yeast strains don't feature a lot of the fruity aromas and flavors. But Pilsner, one type of lager, it's the one that most people associate with a lager. But um, yeah, American Amber, Bock, Doppelbock, Oktoberfest Marzen, Steam Beer, Eisenbach, American Malt Liquor, all types of lagers. Um, it's it is because uh, when I when I search for it, um, it, I feel like you almost uh, we almost find the exact same search search thing from Wikipedia. Um, but I did like the fact that the only other thing I found was the whole or is it the lager cam comes in the word larder. Which was to like um, put like you know store things, right? I see. Uh, but, um, but did not know that. But now that now that I'm um, stupidly looking up to find Story where the heck or warehouse. Uh, look up to find where the hell. Oh yeah, no here we are. Um, and it is Bavaria 
and it is in Bavaria that the drink finds its origins. This is from beerexpert.co.uk. Um, after an initial fermentation, the beer would be given a second lagering period, that's in inverted commas, at a low temperature, and then would be stored in refrigerated beer cellars. Um, but yeah, apparently um, brewers used to take their tanks up to the Bavarian Alps. Where it was cold. Mm. Yeah. Like, I mean, that, that el- I mean, it also makes sense then that that's why until about, I think, the 1600s or something, the vast majority of beer that was made was ale mm. because they did not have the ability to ferment it at cold temperature yeah. because we did not have refrigeration mm. and things like that readily available. But it does, yeah, it does make sense, although I do, I do think it's really interesting the whole, you know, that lager is... Because uh, when, when, before this episode, I just uh, sort of Googled and then I thought, all right, Jeff will correct me on this one. Um, that it, I thought, okay, is, is, is lager in the pale ale the base for, base for every beer there is? Which isn't accurate at all. No, not but, at all. Uh, but all, all I could think to myself was that, because, you know, the Doppelbock comes from lager, the, um, uh, all these obscure things. You know, IPAs come from the pale ale, which is the other side of things. Yeah, and it makes sense that it's essentially all those German-style beers that are, that are that are types of lagers yeah I, I also wonder and this is probably not something we're going to figure out now but why lager ended up being the predominant style of beer maybe it is because it is that mm. relatively like the flavor profile not complex so mm. more broadly appealing to people and i, I don't know yeah because it has to it has to have originated has to have something to do with what happened in the States, the developments there. They must have driven it, just as they've driven craft beer. I would assume, because you read how in Australia, in the country British, there were lots of ales, and even in yeah. the US, there were lots of ales. Yep. So, does that mean, yeah, is it, is, it, is it the Czech immigrants doing their version of uh, Budvar from back home when they went to the States? Is that kind of where it all kicked off? Yeah, good question. Um, yeah, I think it's... Oh, and oh, Beer Cartel even have uh, the difference between lagers and ales. But um, we're just waiting on the internet yeah. to load up. may have something to do with the uh, difference between uh, top fermenting yeast and bottom fermenting yeast. That's, it that's may well do. Uh, brewing temperatures. We may just have talked about this. <laughs> that's crazy. Yep, they all say the same thing. That, all right, so... I guess it seems like an obvious question, or at least it's an easy one for this style. Can you remember your first lager? Uh, I guess it would be Carlton Draft or something like that, or Vic Bitter. For me, it must have been... God, it must have been Inu Export or Swan Draft. Um, mine was VB. Yeah, yeah, I think it was. I think mine was VB as well, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Um, which, which cemented both my love of beer and my dislike of lagers. <laughs> cemented my hate of beer. <laughs> Moved on to cider after that. Yeah, I was the same. Like, yeah, so I think like after, I mean, we've, I won't lay this story for the 15th time on this podcast, but yeah, I think it was, yeah, it was after drinking, you know, spending years drinking um, macro lager, then sort of, yeah, decided, ah, oh, cider tastes a lot nicer than, mm. than VB and Carlton Draft. I'll just drink that. Which is, you know, it's, it, it's, it's interesting how the whole, you know, it's kind of gone full circle where now um, craft beer, uh, uh, Cider is trying to be more interesting, just so that they can get that market back. Yeah, that's mm. right. That's right. Because uh, it was the growth market, and mm. yeah, it's mm. sort of gone through yeah the various cycles. Well, although we are talking about doing a cider episode this season, so maybe that'll happen. Yeah. Here we go. So I was actually my guess was actually pretty much correct. 
So prior to the mid 19th century, lager was second to ale everywhere, even in Germany, even in Bohemia. Around the 1840s, that started to change when everybody um, got quite um, was quite in um, fashionable new style of beer from Pilsen in Bohemia. Obviously, your Czech Czech style lagers. I just like the fact there's a place called Bohemia. Um, a lot of um, a lot of German immigrants to the US. Started Lots of rhapsodies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so many rhapsodies. During those, prohibition hit, and the vast majority of breweries in the US shut down. When prohibition ended, um, there were three main brewers that started. Really, only three breweries that picked up, started producing beer straight away. It was Anheuser Busch, Coors, and Millers. All three were in the West in the US, and all three were started by Germans. But I guess I, I guess that makes sense, you know. But uh, Budvar, well, Budvar is hardly a um, um, pure Yankee sort of name. Yeah, up until, until the eighteen seventies, even the states ale was really popular because of the British heritage. So it was. There's Budweiser, pretty much. The Budweiser, Coors, and Millers. Hmm. So that, I mean, that's. Uh, I'm sure there is more to it, but that's that's the simplicity of a lager. And we're just copying what America does, just like we still are today. Exactly. Um, uh, I'd like to think that our, the quality of our lagers are definitely on par with the quality of American lagers, you know, I mean, yeah. uh, it's, uh, we're not talking Nipahs. Um. Yeah, commercial lagers, are, I do find that funny when you go to a non-craft beer venue in a lot of places and say, oh, we've got, you know, 10 taps and you go and it is just the equivalent commercial, popular commercial lager from <laughs> 10 different countries. Yep. They yep. essentially taste the same. Mm. Basically, well, the same recipe. When that started happening, first started happening, like it would have been the early 2000s or something, we all lost our shit, right? We're just like, oh, you know, we've got all this this fancy mm. European imported beer that we can have. Um, yeah, everyone was going to drinking Heineken's. Yeah, mm. and everyone Heineken's was drinking Stella. Yep. Mm. And then Asahi first came up, everyone was like, what? There's Japanese beer? And everyone started drinking that. So, so I always liked that, um, uh, you know, I, I just remember, no, 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 uh, no, I, 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 I'm a Peroni guy, you know, I only drink Peronis, you know, I just, I'm not going to, and everyone had the um, macro lager of That's um, right. Yeah, yeah. And then, then it was like, oh, actually, actually they all taste They're all just so, kind of the same. Yeah. Just go show the power of um, marketing, right? Mm. Yep. Right. So I think that, I think it's time we actually drink some lagers. And we are back, and it seemed fitting that we're obviously recording at. Oh, maybe it's not obvious. We're recording at the Owl House Project right we now. We recorded here once last season. No, but that's because we we're on tour. Um, but we're recording at the Owl House Project, and you can just see Alex in the background. And it seemed fitting that uh, so at, of late they've had a just a single lager on. Um, I guess in for the like the regular punters who wander in to watch the watch the sport. Yes, I mean, the first three taps are always a cider, a lager, and a pale. Mm. Yeah. And this is, this is the lager. This is the mountain goat unfiltered lager. Just, yeah, goat, goat lager. I assume the unfiltered is a dig at the Carlton Draft thing? You know how Maybe. they have, like, the big... Brewery big fresh. Stuff. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, but it's, it's, not, it's not sort of marketed as an unfiltered lager. It's just okay. called the goat lager. Um, yeah, don't know, maybe. But, so, uh, I mean, we've been sipping this for a good 15 minutes or so. What are our first impressions, Paul? 
time, I think exactly what I said. It's not great, but it's not bad. It's exactly what it's supposed to be. Eh? Yeah, it tasted better 15 minutes ago. Yes. It's cold. Yep. Like it's exactly yep. what it's meant to be. Yeah, yeah. If you're going to drink this, I would drink it relatively quickly. Um, but that's just the case for pretty much all lagers. It's not a dig at this particular lager or any other. Yeah. But yeah, I, I'm, I tend to agree. It's, get, it's getting worse of age. But that's okay. Um, what other people say about James C. Uh, doesn't say where he is. Mild and middle of the road. Nice flavours and very smashable. Three stars. Uh, Niels S. at the Hop Temple. Good for a lager. Nice finish. 3.25. Hop Temple in Ballarat. Rudy, I assume so. Rudy A. at home, who clearly has taken a photo of the beer, but he's got a very interesting um, palette. <laughs> Funky, dank, and roasty hops. Tropical funk through pineapple, peach, and green pine needle. 3.25. I don't think that person's drinking the same beer. No, that's right. this, is, this is none of those things. No, that, that's impressive. Uh, Rob G. Full flavour, more of a pale ale than a lager. Yeah. So, also yeah. don't really agree with. No. Uh, three out of five. Sean B. Its saving feature was its price. 2.5. Sean B. Sorry. Uh, Nathan M, slightly hoppy, floral little lager, more hop than most lagers, certainly not terrible at all, but better crisper lagers are out there, 2.75. Matthew F, at Woofers Grooming, um, also looks like he's got it in a can. Good beer for a treat, cheap price, 3.25. They're, def they're definitely aiming to... These were all checked in, a lot of the... Do you reckon a good... 15% of all chickens of this beer were Australian. That makes sense. Uh, I mean, the rest of us were um, beer deluxe. Clay at Bob's Bar. Smoked ham feels on this fella. Really enjoy. 4.25. I do not taste the ham. <laughs> um, double at the Forest Lodge Hotel. Another impressive Aussie lager. Tropical fruit laden and uncomplicated. 3.5 out of 5. I do agree with the uncomplicated part. Yeah. Rupert B at Flory, just like it says on the tin. Enjoyable, 3.25. I'm very imp uh, I'm very surprised that there aren't um, more just, there isn't just more um, anger and piss taking around this. <laughs> Lone C, um, didn't rate it, give it a score. I'm a vegan and I disapprove of animals being used. Those poor goats, exploited to make a goat lager. I hardly <laughs> get any goat flavour. <laughs> okay, no, that, that was much better. Comment of the day. Yeah. Oh, Craig W says it's goaty. Because it's four out of five. So he's obviously tasting goat. <laughs> Good old man, goat. Uh, again, I totally expected more people to be, um, like, ragging it out. Oh, Charlie B, it might bring off. Disappointing. Tastes like a mass produced Eurolag at 1.5. Mm, that sounds more like it. You literally buy a beer that is brewed to taste like a. You know, a good mm. version of a standard Euro lager, and then you complain that's disappointing. It tastes like exactly what it's supposed to be. Well, it's it's interesting the whole lager thing because so when I think I've mentioned this before, but um, a few years ago we had to entertain my cousins for uh, Christmas Day, and uh, my dad said to me, "Okay, what what beer should I get?" I said, "All right, we'll go for lagers," and I got the, we got the Mornington Lager and we got the Moondog Love Tap. Mm -hmm. And nobody drank the Mornington, but all of them drank the, all the VB drinkers all drank the Love Tap. And it was like, they couldn't get enough of the damn thing. And it was just like, what, 
what's made that what's made that different i suppose um well, i mean the love tap particularly the first release of it was almost a pale ale or an ipa like in flavor profile obviously it was a lager by construction so yeah it's changed a lot hasn't it mm. over the years yeah because it was like seven percent as well the first release and then dropped to 5.7 or something like that um but it does it does make you wonder whether um a goat uh, whether uh, uh, goat must have specifically said we want to go down the path of uh, we're doing the basic simple Euro lager. Although there are a few people who also, like say Matthew C says, was initially confused. First two mouthfuls started like an IPA. Uh, my palate then settled to sense the mild lager with a hint of upfront fruit. So that's the second person who said mm. that it was, or third person who said it was, you know, more like a pale ale um, than a than a lager, which is interesting. I'm, I mean, I'm not getting it, but... but well, I wonder no, if it's 100%. Check those out. Well, though the weird part is, is so um, I had this in a can um, a few um, like weeks ago, and I didn't. I only really um, someone gave it to me for a sip, and so I had it, and I didn't know it was a lager. Like from that first sip in a can, I thought it was a um, must have been like a pale. Maybe it's less, maybe it's got a slightly different taste. So the mm. can batch is slightly different. Mm. Well, that's that's all I'm thinking. Because this yeah, this is on this is on draft, so. But I feel like part part of me was um, thinking that um, there's no way that Mountain Goat would make a straight up lager. They'd go for a pale ale to compete with like the Gibbs Street um, stomping ground one. Like it that. does say pale lager. Actually, it doesn't say like Czech style Euro lager. It says lager pale. Yeah. It's interesting. I'm looking just my um, coaster here is from the Oedipus tap takeover that was at the Ale House last week. Unfortunately, none of that is left on tap. That was an Indian pale lager. Hmm. Um, that was quite. I did try it. It was quite enjoyable. I think, from memory, uh, to say that was one of the most well received of the six beers, four beers that they had of theirs. That's always good. Oh. So, what do we think about this? Um, I'm giving it three point two five. That's kind of my. Would yeah. I I would drink again, but I guess not by choice. Like, <laughs> I could happily be at a party and drink six pack of these not a problem but I wouldn't go to the shops and buy them just because it's not my preferred style but yeah as far as lagers goes uh, it does exactly what it's supposed to do you can't really fault it yeah I think 3.25 is fair I was sort of wavering between 3 and 3.25 but I think I kind of need to um, give it a little bit of a break for the fact that I'm kind of drinking it not at the ideal point in time like I ideally this would have been consumed within the first five minutes it was on the table and I'm sort of yeah. enjoying it less and less as time goes by so yeah, I'm happy to support a 3.25 it's very much the Heineken principle of our um, when we're at the Heineken party and we got we'd drink like half of it then it's like right well get let's one. get another yeah. one <laughs> yeah that's right that's right <laughs> um, yeah I, I I debated around the 3.25 to 3 as well but I agree 3.25 is sort of it's fine. Yeah, I think it's I think it's a smart idea. I know when it came out, a lot of people had a whinge mm-hmm. at both the fact that it was a essentially goat's version of a standard what we consider most people consider a lager, and the branding is very different. It's mm-hmm. a lot more designed to appeal to Jeez. someone who's yeah. a mainstream lager drinker, and a lot of people are critical of that. But it's I mean, it's keenly priced. A lot of the comments. Mm didn't actually read them out it's like 50 bucks a slab or something it's it's affordable so it's it's a great option for people that yeah want to drink a lager aren't huge craft beer heads but just 
want something. Yes, they're owned by Saki, but you know, it's could be worse. Still a still Australian blue. This employ Australians. Mm. We don't go on, don't want to go on that tangent <laughs> again. But and it's a it's a good introduction. It, I would think a lot of people will be introduced to the goat brand through this beer, and they may be encouraged to explore other things in the range. So it's a smart decision to release this beer. I think they've done well. I think that's a good take. Yeah. Um. Right. We'll be back with a very different lager. And we are back, and we're onto. Actually, we're onto a beer that is brewed, or at least it was invented in probably a very similar location to the last one. We previously had the Mountain Goat Goat, and now we have the Lager from Burnley Brewing. Yeah, just around the corner. But, um, in are they officially in Burnley? Is that, or are they just like? Yeah, um, I, I is it still Richmond. Uh... I know where the border is. I mean, Burnley is one of those like just weird suburbs that kind of mm. is essentially still Richmond anyway. Yeah, it's pretty so like, like, oh, it's Cremorne. Cremorne. Like yeah. It's just Brunswick. Really. Yeah. No, um, yeah, according to Google Maps, that is officially in Richmond. Mm. Rude. But Burnley are very cool people. Uh, and this is their lager, which is one of their, I think it might have been their first or their second beer in cans. I know that they've got a coffee one that I saw at Blackhearts before. But this is, this one's slightly different and you can tell instantly by looking at it that it's a different style just because mm. it's a completely different colour. Yeah, so the other one was a pale lager and it is very pale, whereas this is... Vienna lager. Yeah. You could say. But, um, and I will just, uh, I'll just flag one thing that it says on the label, which is very cool. Uh, biscuity, malt balance, subtle, noble pops. Very simple. I mean, that is the characteristic of Vienna style, is that it is that kind of that maltier, that maltier profile, and I guess because of whatever types of malt they use, I'm not going to report to know that. Vienna, um, Pilsner, it, and Munich Duck. No, there you go. <laughs> uh, makes it sort of, yeah, that more, you know, ambery sort of mm, colour yeah. than the, you know... The, um, whatever's in the um, ghost. Yeah, than, than, than a normal lager. Yeah. And yes. hel- hilarious that they've gone out of their way to say on the label. The ingredients are water, barley, hops, and yeast. Yeah. Um, and the Plato is 12.5 degrees. I don't know what that means. Guess the brewing temperature, maybe? I don't know, what does is, what is Plato measure? Other than like some sort of um, philosophy. Beer gravity, the ratio of fermentable sugars to water in the beer. Oh, there you go. Okay, so what's that got? Is, is it like a co-conspirators can, where there's just loads of random... Um, just random information. Yeah. yeah. Degrees? Good, good work, Clint. Yeah, a- ABV, yes. IBUs, yes. Um, the ratio of fermentable sugars to water in the beer is based on the specific gravity and is given in degrees. Well, all right. Because specific, original and specific gravity, all that kind of links to, and final gravity all links to ABV, right? So you can probably somehow derive one thing from the other or something? Yeah, so original gravity is taken prior to fermentation and final gravity is taken when you bottle it. The right. final gravity... Final gravity's got something to do with ABV, right? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. We can probably... Maybe we'll come to the next episode with some mm-hmm. better, some more well-researched... Well, we've been told this many times. <laughs> yeah, original gravity... Less final gravity times 
times 131.25. Gives you A, B, B. But that doesn't tell us anything about Plato. No, I don't know what the point of Plato is. Yeah. That's, that's more the, yeah. Uh, Brewers, I'm certain you'll get in touch and tell us. Uh, so, what do we think, people? First impressions? It's, yeah, it's, it's multi. multi. Mm. Super mm. multi. Yeah, I don't mind it. Mm. I think it's perfectly reasonable. Yeah, yeah, no, it's uh, yeah, it's, it's yeah, it's multi but still, you know, you sort of still get that those library characteristics mm. out of it. I think um, I'm getting it's like a little bit sour or something on back end. That's maybe that's mm. just me, but hmm, I'm not getting no, the not sour on the back yeah. end. But it's definitely you know super malty, like yep. disturbingly malty. You can definitely taste the Plato. Mm. So much Plato. It's apparently, they describe it as the perfect accompaniment to a good book with light toastiness and biscuit aromas. This is a complex beer that's also super sessionable. Did you say accompaniment to a good book? That's, that's what they claim. This, okay. is, this, is, this is Burnley Brewing's own, I assume it's their own writer. Good work, Burnley. Um, uh, what are people saying? Um, Mixstar at Kensington Collective said, nice upfront honey notes, not your usual lager. Stars. Uh, Damien P at Helga's House of Pain. I think it needs a bit more Vienna malt. It's nice, but just lacking a tap. 3.25 out of 5. See, I don't know whether that's been sarcastic or not. Steve C at Burnley Brewing on the 5th of January. Melbourne is a joke. How is this summer? Question mark, exclamation mark, question mark, exclamation mark. 3.5 stars. So Steve C certainly got his summer uh, mm. last week. Um, and that's a very good use of an bang there. Yeah. Exclamation mark. Uh, Nicholas G, really enjoyed this. Great can art too. No rating. Kudos on the can art. It's very good. Uh, Sarah W at the Otter's Promise. A lager I can get behind, but still lager. 2.75 out of 5. See, now I feel like we've tapped into the, you know, because Burnley is a craft brewery. So then the, all the craft drinkers are like, oh yeah, we'll, we'll buy that, it'll be like a better lager or something. And now we're getting all the craft um, um, bitterness, I suppose. Yeah, basically admitted that they liked it and mm. gave a shit with you anyway, because it's a lager. Yeah. It's like, come on, come on. Yeah, what else was, here we go. Chris I. There's a bit going on here that I can't put my finger on, but this is one sweet, tasty lager in, in a very non-Fosters kind of way. Four stars. Uh, Dylan T at Tivoli Place, really tasty Moorish Vienna Lager, reminiscent of an ESB with the grassy bitterness and biscuit malt. I'll play I that. agree. Yeah. That, that maltiness really, really comes soon, really distinguishes it. Mm. It's, a good, it's a good description. It's very good. Alright, give me a couple more. Alright. Gareth R, happy birthday, Dickie, five stars. Good work, Dickie. <laughs> Gary J at Candy Box Photography. Come on, Villa, all caps, 33, soccer ball, soccer ball, angled, winking, tongue out, face, clapping hands, clapping hands. 3.5 stars. Good use of emoji, though. <laughs> <laughs> all right, one more. One more. Brendan Windle and Carnegie. Very nice. The head brewer's German training ground, really putting a stamp on this brew. Got that nice, bready aroma. Easily October festival, 3.75 out of 5. So well, I think that's an important take, point yeah. to mention, isn't it? That yeah, the um, 
Yeah, they brew out Burnley Brewing. Yeah, spent spent a few years brewing in Germany. I'd, I'd love to I'd love to say his name is Frank Burnley, but I think um, I can't remember his name. Actually. No, I can't remember. Let's go, with Frank Burnley. Um, no, no, no one could possibly fact check that. So you know, what's <laughs> wrong with it? <laughs> so um, what do we think? I'm going to give it a three point five. You know, this is actually, yeah. Again, I don't know if it's better than the last beer, simply because the last one was brewed to style. But um, for my taste palette, it's, yeah, it's, it's something that I like. I do like that. I think that person said, yeah, it's like an ESB. I do get those, yeah, that maltiness and that, yeah, that bit of a bitterness. It's, yeah, it's, a, it's a really good lager. I like that, 3.5. Yeah, I'll get 3.5 as well. I think, yeah, I mean, sort of it fits the very definition of 3.5, something that you'd happily drink again. Um, yeah, I totally agree. It's a, it's a 3.5. There's not much more I can mine, mine from it. It's, it's, you'd drink it again, probably wouldn't rush out to buy it, but it's not really um, a style that I like that much. So, oh, there's a new, tap, new, new badge on Untapped, Viennaville. Well... Fifteenth Vienna style lagers. I don't think we're going to get to that. No, I've got yeah. fifteen. Oh wow! Okay, That's, I just it must be the, the, the retrospective. Yeah. Retrospective, yeah. So on that note, I think we should finish up there. Uh, we will be back next week with uh, another beer style, which we'll decide once we work it out. Uh, we have been the Brunswick Beer Collective. Um, I have been Chris Shorten. Liz has been Jeffrey Chi. Catch you next week. And Paul Christoph. See you next time. See you soon, people.